0: And I have to to profoundly apologize to Lee this morning because I think it's my fault that the computer's not working because what I'm bringing to you in a message this morning, it's titled Distractions. <laughs> and I think we had a major distraction this morning. For those of you who are, are watching online, what you don't know is it's working to go out to you But we had nothing appear on the screens, and we couldn't, there were no words. Ruby and I were kind of looking at Dave so that we knew what the next words were for the song. So we had started with a distraction, didn't we? But you know what? We got our eyes off the distraction, and we put our eyes squarely on the Lord, and that's exactly what he wants us to do. Today is 9-11, and I think you have to be living under a rock to not remember that today, 21 years ago, Um our country experienced a tragic event. And I was thinking about it this morning, and I I felt like the Lord reminded me that what Pearl Harbor was to my parents' generation, 9-11 was to my generation. Because we had an attack on our country, and we went to war immediately afterward. And... I don't know about you, I think I'm safe to say that you probably experienced something similar to what I experienced, but, or what we experienced, but immediately after 9-11, there wasn't a night, probably for weeks, maybe a month, that we didn't sit on the couch, watch the news, and cry. Because of all the reports of what happened. And the loss, and, and just the devastation. It, not only um, affected families and took loved ones from families, but it it got right to the heart of every American who loves this nation, and we knew that something had changed, and we didn't know honestly in the moment if it would ever be the same again and I know it probably sounds trite to say that it was this was a major distraction in our lives, but once the, the tragedy itself, the dust had settled, the more we focused on it, the more of a distraction it became to us, because fortunately, I think believers fairly quickly knew that we needed to just take our eyes off of the tragedy and put them squarely on God, because if anything was going to change for the better, it was only going to happen because the Lord was going to do it, right? Right? But it's it's interesting to me that just on this very day and when I just was impressed to talk about distractions, that it just happens to be 9-11, the thing that distracted us in so many ways for weeks and months and maybe years, right? Um, And I'm a big shot today. I'm using my iPad. But it was because it's easier than trying to fumble through Papers, right? Life is full of distractions, and there's a movie that Dave and I watched a number of years ago that um, was made by Pixar, and I think it perfectly illustrates distractions. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Okay. So, have any of you ever watched the movie Up? Up was a movie about an old man and an old woman and their life together, but one of the key characters in this film is a dog named Doug. And Doug wore this, his, his owner had made, or, or um, it was a new invention, had made a, made a collar for him and for the other dogs in the pack um, that could take Doug's thoughts and translate them into audible human speech. So because when he was wearing the collar, anytime he barked or anytime he thought of something, you could hear his thoughts. And I bring Doug up into the conversation this morning because Doug illustrated what it means to be distracted. So he could be having a conversation or going along and enjoying his his, whatever he was doing. But if he saw anything out of his peripheral vision, he would just whip his head around and go, squirrel. So when he thought he saw a squirrel or any movement, Doug was going to go after that squirrel, right? And I thought that perfectly illustrates what distractions do to us. We could be going along the path the Lord has us on and we could be doing okay. but it takes so little for us to just go squirrel and then go off on another rabbit trail. Right. And if we go off on that rabbit trail, then we're off the path that the Lord put us on. And I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm, especially if I'm trying to, I've been, lately I've been trying to spend a certain amount of time every morning just praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And I got to tell you, there are so many times that I'm going along and all of a sudden I realize, oh wait, I guess I stopped praying in tongues a minute ago and I need to get back to that because the mind is always going in different directions. Maybe that's just me, but that's what I deal with. So. Even like I said, even when our intentions have us moving in one direction, we can in a heartbeat just squirrel and then we're off and thinking about something else. But the problem with that is that then we become double minded and the Bible has something very specific to say about being double minded. And you can't see the scriptures today, so I'm going to give them to you if you want to look them up in the Bible uh, if you don't, you're just going to have to take my word for it that this is what it says. But I would suggest you check up on me because, you know, if I mess up, then you got that. So in James chapter 1, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 5 through 8, and this is in the New King James Version, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And this is what we need to pay attention to. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. Father, we love you so very much this morning. We know that it's your desire that... We keep our eyes on you, the eyes of our spirit on you, our physical eyes on the word and that we walk out the plan you have for us. We can only do that, Father, as we learn to recognize the distractions that get in our way. And I ask you, Father, to make this real to us this morning and give us the grace to be more aware when we're distracted and to slap it down and to get back on track with our focus squarely on you. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for the privilege and the honor. I do not take it lightly to stand in this pulpit and to share your word. Excuse me. May every word that is said be what you want said to the congregation this morning. I thank you for it, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so this is one of those topics that the more I looked at it, the more it just kind of, it was like the seed. It went like this, and then it went like this, and then it got as big as the room. And I started out with, well, these these few things, these are distractions. And then I had a couple more, and now I keep getting more and more and more. And I think if nothing else, we're opening the curtain to look at what distractions are and how to recognize them. But I think we're all going to be noticing more distractions in our lives after today. The first one that I looked at is disappointments. Now, I will ask for a show of hands, but has anyone in here ever had a plan or thought you were doing what God wanted you to do, but somehow you were disappointed, whether it's being hurt by uh, other people? or being hurt or misled by other ministers, or just you were disappointed. It didn't turn out the way you anticipated it turning out. I think that's pretty common. But the problem with keeping our focus on those disappointments is that it's gonna lead to a couple of things. We're gonna start blaming and by blaming, it keeps it alive in us. Well, that person treated me wrong and they shouldn't have done that and they weren't the man or woman of God I thought they were supposed to be and it doesn't matter. You know why? Cause we're not accountable for what anybody else does. If we were hurt, then we were hurt. We live in a fallen world. So our job is to forgive and to release. And that whether that's with an ex-spouse, and I've had to do that, forgive and release, or whether it's someone in a church or a friend, wherever the disappointment comes, we need to forgive and release and walk on with God. The other thing it can lead to, though, if we don't do that, is bitterness. And we don't want to get a root of bitterness going in our heart, because I think bitterness can be as like the mustard seed that the Lord talked about, the smallest of seeds, but it grows to be a massive tree. That's how bitterness is. If we let it in there and let it stay, it likes that little dark place in our heart if we leave it there. And it will grow and it will affect every part of our life. We don't need to blame and we certainly don't want bitterness in our lives. Another distraction, and I have experienced this, In my life is shame shame is such an ugly tool of the enemy shame can come because we did something we shouldn't have done we didn't do something we should have done or it's because someone did something to us that they shouldn't have done but shame is when we take it upon ourselves And when we, when we accept the responsibility for it, for whatever happened in such a way that it makes us feel unworthy of the love of God, unworthy of forgiveness or unlovable, if something happens that can make us feel just broken and, um, and violated, we might think no one could ever love me because of this. But the fact is, number one, God loves us. And whether we were saved or not at the time that whatever happened caused shame came into our lives, God was there. He knows what happened. And even if it's something we can't talk about or we don't feel, we feel uncomfortable talking about, he knows and we can talk to him because it doesn't take him by surprise he knows it and yet he loves us he's not up there going mhm i saw what you did no he's not like that we know that if this if any whatever this was happened before we were born again then when we became born again it's now under the blood it's forgiven If, and some things do happen since we've been born again, if something happened after we were born again, then we have 1 John 1, 9 that tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to learn to let go of shame. And some people, and this was me for a long time, were so steeped in shame for whatever reason, that it became part of our identity. And we need to stop making that our identity. And we need to look to God for our identity. Because he sees me as his daughter. He sees me as royalty. Because he's the king of all kings. Amen? Something else that can be a distraction, believe it or not, is success. Because it's very easy when we have success to look at it and go, hmm, I'm pretty good, aren't I? Look what I did. Right? But as believers, we know, hmm, that's not cool. So sometimes what we do is say, um, yes, by the grace of God, I was able to do X, Y, Z, and, and I'm very thankful for that. But inside we're going, ah. Right? Inside... We we know, sort of, that we couldn't have done it without God, but mm, we're more aware of our efforts and the things that we did. I want to share a story with you, but boy, oh boy, am I paraphrasing this. So I think I'm going to get the, the gist of the story, but <clears throat> I heard Brother Keith Moore tell this story more than once. And this was back when he was teaching at Rama Bible Training Center. And um, he had, If I, I hope I'm getting this right, but he probably won't see this, so we're good. Um, but he had, been, he had believed for a new car. And it took a while, I mean, probably some years, but he got the car that he was believing for. And he drove it to campus, and a couple of uh, Bible school students came out, and they were admiring the car, and like, wow, Brother Keith, how'd you get this car? And he said, well, I believed for it. And that was true. But after that interaction something was just scratching on the inside. He just, something bothered him about what he said. And later that day when he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, what is it? Why, why is this bothering me? And the Lord really ministered to him and said, you told those students that you got the car because you had believed me for it. And he said, it did two things. It made those students one think, wow, I had, wish I had the faith that brother Keith has so I could get the stuff that I need. It, it hurt their faith. It hindered their faith when you said that. But the other thing is, you didn't give me any credit. And he said to Keith, where'd you get the faith? And he said, well, from you, Lord. And, Who helped you as you were believing for this all those months and years? You did. And who helped you get the money to pay for this car? Who brought that in for you? You did. And I think probably each time he said, he responded to God, he was going, you? Yes, I know. I'm Sorry. Right? Because he realized that he, in a sense, took credit for what the Lord did. Because the honest truth is, we couldn't put one foot out of bed in the morning if it wasn't for the grace of God. We couldn't do anything. I couldn't take my next breath. I certainly wouldn't be able to stand up here if it weren't the Lord equipping me to do it. So we get in a real sticky situation when we try to take credit for what ultimately the Lord has done for us and through us. And... Romans twelve three says for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think more highly of himself think of excuse me, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Other people's blessings can also be a distraction. Especially if we've been believing God and and really uh believing Him to do something or to have something for a long time and somebody else gets the very thing that we were that we've been believing for, it's it can really start a mess with the person's mind and they might be thinking, Man, Lord, I've been believing you for that. How come they got it? How come I didn't? what i have been learning over the last couple years and and it really i just found out something that our friend kathy is here with us today and she has been believing god to get out of florida and move to tennessee for about 20 years and so I, i know this dream that she has in her heart and so when she told me yesterday that she's finally found the place the lord has directed her to the place where she will live in tennessee I was so excited for her. You would have thought it happened for me. And I think that's the place we need to get to. Because here's the thing. God does not have a storage cabinet in heaven where he only has so many piles of cash or so many cars or so many houses. If he has a storage cabinet at all, we couldn't even imagine the size of it because there is nothing he doesn't have. And it doesn't affect what we can get from the Lord for somebody else to get what we've been believing for because he's got everything and he wants to bless us in the same way. We just have to keep our eyes on him and not start feeling sorry for ourselves. If we don't get what we think we should, when somebody else does people can be a distraction in this way. And oftentimes it happens with the people we love dearly people can start pulling on us for attention, for stuff, for money, especially if they know that, you know, if if somebody knows that I have something that they could really use or they want, they could start pulling on me for that. In the same way, opportunities can be a distraction because we might be seeing a really great opportunity in front of us um, whether it's a job or, or anything or an investment, whatever. But just because it sounds like a great deal doesn't mean that this is what God wants us to do, right? Or participate in. Both of these last two, people and opportunities, we aren't, I've heard Brother Keith say this as well, we are not to be led by need, opportunity we are to be led by the Spirit of God someone might have a need and the Lord might speak to me and say you know what I I really want you to uh, release the pressure on these people and give them XYZ and and I'm happy to do that but if I don't hear from God to do that we oftentimes think um, that I have it written down here we don't need a reason not to do something we should seek a reason to do it. And that reason should only be the Lord telling us, this is what I want you to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be waiting for an audible voice. He will tell us inside, in our spirit man, right? The Holy Spirit will act as an umpire inside of us, inside us to say, yeah, do this. No, don't do this. But if we get our focus on the need or the opportunity, that's a distraction. And that's going to make it difficult to hear from him. Distractions lure our eyes away from God. They can be tempting or bring pressure, but we need to always seek peace with God. Um, Proverbs 4, 18 to 27. <clears throat> this really spoke to me, and it'll be familiar to you. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. When we are in the midst of distraction, it's as if spiritually we're in darkness. We don't even see the path in front of us, and we can stumble and fall and get ourselves into trouble, right? It's when we keep our eyes on him, because then the... the um, Scripture goes on. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight Ahead, And your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. In other words, keep our eyes on God. Keep our eyes on the word of God. Keep our hearts filled with the spirit of God. And we will follow his path. the Old Testament has a great example of someone who became distracted. Squirrel! Uh, the, The Old Testament has a great example of someone who became distracted and it destroyed her life. In Genesis 19, we have the story of Lot and the destruction of Sodom. And Lot was in the gate and two angels came along And so he recognized them and he greeted them and he asked them to come with him into his home because it was getting toward evening. And they said, no, we're going to stay out here in the square. And I think Lot was probably, excuse me, thinking, yeah, you don't know this town. You do not want to be outside after dark. So he urged them and they did go into his house Well, Lot had two daughters. He had his wife with him. And the daughters were engaged to two men because it said that um, they're fiancés, it says in, this, in the passage. But it wasn't long before a bunch of questionable individuals from the town came knocking on Lot's door, pounding on Lot's door, saying, We know two guys went in with you. Send them out here. So we can do vile things with them. It says, so we may know them. So these gentlemen, these men did not have good intentions, right? So um, Lot kind of slipped out the door and says, look, these are my guests. I, You know, I brought them into my house. I can't send them out to you. I've got two daughters. This kind of bothered me a little, but, you know, he said, I got two daughters. I'll send them out. You can do what you want with them, but I can't send these men out. And no, no, we want these guys to come out here. And they were pressing him, physically pressing him so much that they almost knocked the door down. But it said that the men reached out and pulled Lot inside and barred the door. And then he's asking, do you have family? Who's in the household here? And he said, I have two daughters. And he said, quick, get your stuff together. This, We're going to be – God sent us here to destroy this town or this city And we're going to help you escape because the Lord is, is, you know, giving you his favor to help you escape. And he said, just a second. And he went running out to find the fiancés, the men betrothed to his daughters. And he told them, hurry, you've got to come with us because the town's going to be destroyed and we're going to escape. And the Lord sent two angels and they're going to help us get out of here. Well, these fiancés, and believe me, am I paraphrasing the scriptures in a big way? They thought he was joking with them. They're like, yeah, sure, sure, it's going to be destroyed. Yeah, whatever. So he just, he was left to go back home and the angel was saying, hurry, hurry. We need to get you out of here. Lot kept hesitating. He was a, an important man in the community. He was respected in the community. He was wealthy. So. Imagine that maybe there were some things going, but there's so much to walk away from. And, but ultimately he recognized these two men. They were from God. So they in the early, early in the morning, um, after they kept hesitating, the angel literally took Lot and his wife and daughters by the hand and led them out and said, now go keep walking, but specifically, Um, the angel said to Lot and his family, do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. And as Lot and his wife and their two daughters were escaping, Lot's wife looked back. Now, this isn't just looking in the rearview mirror to see what's behind you, or this isn't just glancing over your shoulder. Clearly, and I, I am no Hebrew scholar, I don't know Hebrew, but... There are sources that can tell us that the Hebrew word for looking back meant to regard, to consider, to pay attention to. So my thinking as I looked at this was, if I was the wife of a well-respected and wealthy man, it would definitely be a temptation to look back and go, but, but my life and I had a nice place here and I've got all my stuff here and they know me here. I get deals at pennies here. Whatever, right? She looked back with longing, even after God sent angels to help them escape. And because she looked back, she, she when fire and sulfur was being thrown from heaven to burn the city down, she turned to a pillar of, of salt, excuse me. Now, I think a confirmation to us that she looked back with longing and specifically in a regretful way was that Lot also, when they got to, is it Zoar? Did I get the name of that right? To the town where they were going? When they got there, Lot looked back because he could see the town burning or the city of Sodom burning and he said it looked like smoke rising up from a furnace. But Lot didn't turn to a pillar of salt. He was looking back to see what God had done when he was uh, destroying this city for their sinful ways. But not so his wife. She, she lost her life. Her life was destroyed because she let her regret be a distraction to her, rather than keeping her eyes on God and doing what God asked her to do. So why is this important? We belong to God. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. That price is the precious blood of Jesus. And if he went to the extent that he did to purchase us for himself, then we owe him our allegiance. We owe him our attention. We owe him our obedience and our service and our love. He has a plan for each and every one of us. If we're being distracted, then we're not going to run uh, run our race and finish our course because we're going to go off on some other trail. We need to genuine, genuinely believe what the word tells us, that we are in the world and not of the world. Our life here is temporary. We're out of here. If we realize how quickly we went from age 17 to our 60s, our 70s, our 80s, or our 90s, then we know that it's going to be like that before it's over, and we're in heaven, right? So we don't have time to waste being distracted when if we believe that these are the last of the last days, he's got work for us to do, and we need to... Rid ourselves of distractions and just focus on him. We need to remember that he has everything we will ever need. And if we place our trust and our confident hope in him as our provider, as our sustainer, as our savior and our healer, there are no shortages in God. We don't need to be distracted by trying to get the things that god wants to give to us and make available to us and finally his word must be our final authority to everything in our lives the holy spirit will confirm the word to us and he will uh, confirm the word that we speak with signs following amen we must never forget that our names are written in the lamb's book of life daniel talked about this in daniel 12 1 because he's talking of the end of the age. He said, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. That can bring distractions, right? But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And Revelation 21:27 says, when talking about the gates of heaven, The Holy Spirit through John wrote, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We always, every day, need to be aware that there are going to be distractions coming into our life, right? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and once he does all that, in the meantime, he's trying to keep us distracted so that we're not keeping our eyes on God. And that's why I love this scripture, and we're going to close with this scripture. Philippians 3.8. It starts in Philippians 3.8. And let me get a sip. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ... And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And may share his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible. I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this. Or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. That's all the distractions, all the disappointments, all the jealousies, all the people, all the uh, opportunities, the shame, the successes. I put it, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that is my prayer for us all, that we will be so conscious of God, so conscious of Jesus and the leading of the Holy Spirit, that when those distractions come, we'll know it just like that. And we'll just go, nope. Nope, I'm not even going to think about that. I'm not even going to look at that squirrel you go on running. I'm not chasing you this time. I'm chasing after God. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We love you. We thank you that we know that you're in us, and you are always for us, and you are always leading us. We worship you this morning, and we praise you, and thank you for this time together. In Jesus' precious and holy name.